Welcome to My Autism Tribe, an organization of advocates that are educating, supporting, and empowering those in our communities. We are one voice made stronger. I'm your host, Susan Scott. Raising a child with special needs can be one of life's most fulfilling experiences, but it can also be one of the most costly. According to Autism Speaks, raising a child with autism costs on average $60,000 a year. But let's face it, it costs a lot more than that for a lot of us, depending on the severity and our insurance coverage. It can be scary looking at the financial numbers and even scarier when you wonder what would happen if something happened to you. Long-term financial planning is daunting, but no matter what your child's age, it's important for you to start as early as possible. Today, I'm speaking with Nick Wallace. He's a financial planner that focuses on planning for families in the special needs community. His passion for this type of planning is inspired by the feeling of relief that he experienced after working through a game plan for his brother's future, who has special needs. Nick is going to share some insights from the daily conversations that he has with families and planning for their loved ones. Hi, Nick. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Susan. Absolutely. We met, actually, a couple of months ago when we were both speaking at this school function, and I was so intrigued by not only the knowledge that you have about financial planning, but also your backstory about how you started in the financial planning business. Can you share with everyone a little bit about how you got started? What, I guess, a little bit of your family background. Sure. So to start with my family background, I think that's important when leading into the financial planning side of things. Um, It was in 2012 that my brother had a car accident that caused him to have a brain injury which was a big shakeup for our family, um, of course. And um, watching the way that my mom handled that in becoming just a rock star and picking up her life to care for my brother and lead towards uh, towards his, essentially, recovery, this road to recovery that he's on, um, of course, threw in a, a whole financial planning aspect. And... Um, at the time, uh, you know, questions were being asked, you know, very, very recent after the accident about the future and how would we, how would we have a game plan? And it wasn't until uh, a few years ago, whenever I started with Northwestern Mutual as a financial advisor, that I started to actually get a little bit more interested and ask more questions about my parents' planning. Mm-hmm. Um And so to give kind of a a background idea of where the circumstances were then, whenever I was asking questions, my mom was around 60 years old, dad around 55, and um, Aaron, my brother, uh, in his mid-20s. And so it was really likely that he would outlive them. Um, and, And so I started to ask questions. I knew that they had a financial advisor and some accounts, but soon I realized that really all that they had done is just invest for their retirement and not actually do any game planning when it came to, you know, life insurance and setting up a trust and their own retirement income, that sort of thing. And so that set me into, uh, into realizing that if anything had happened either in the short term, uh, tragedy or long term, my parents living a long life, then 
my brother who was receiving, you know, some of the Social Security and Medicaid waiver benefits, those benefits would be in jeopardy uh, based on the way things were set up that he would inherit. And mm-hmm. so realizing that my, my parents didn't have a game plan essentially gave me a, a passion and interest in spreading the word um, to families on how to plan for special needs circumstances for their loved one. Yeah, I know that, you know, especially when something like this happens to your child, there's so many times that you're, you know, whether it's just receiving a diagnosis or in your family's case, just experiencing a tragedy in the family, sometimes the last thing that we think about is the financial part, um, you know, the long-term financial part. We're very much aware of the daily financial struggles that a lot of this can bring. But just, you know, the day-to-day struggle of just trying to keep our heads above water. And, you know, so it takes having someone, and in your family's case, my my goodness, they were so fortunate to have you be there to kind of help guide them too, because it's it's daunting. I still have not. There's so many plates to spin when talking about about finances, both short term and long term, and it's so daunting that sometimes it's one of those things where it's like, okay, it's so daunting. I just don't want to deal with it right now. And it's also kind of morbid if you think about it. You know, any time that you're planning for not being here it's something that is scary and I don't necessarily like thinking about it so of course not yeah absolutely yeah so essentially the game plan for your family was they had no game plan right and so when you're starting off with this business i think one of the main questions is and i had for you is where do i even start i mean when when someone says special needs planning what what does that mean i guess i can look up the very definition of special needs planning but i know that one plan doesn't fit all Right, yeah, and that's a really good point that you made there is that, you know, financial planning for all families is not one size fits all, and especially in special needs circumstances, um, there could be anything from planning for a loved one who may not need much assistance and care all the way to uh, circumstances that are even more severe than my brother's brain injury circumstance where a a family might need 24-7 care. And so, really, when we talk about special needs planning, the, it's, it's kind of talking about everything that goes into uh, everyday financial planning when it, when it comes to retirement and all the questions that we have to answer. But then with the added questions of what happens if something were to happen to me tomorrow, how would my loved one be cared for, what's the game plan there? Um, and then also questions that answer what happens if 50 or 60 years from now I live a long and healthy life with my special needs loved one. How do I plan for them if they live longer than I do to have the care that they need to live a fulfilling life, essentially? Mm-hmm. And so the goal, the goal in planning is that all of those questions would be answered. 
Okay, so when some when you're first initially sitting down with a family, are do you ask them to come prepared? with any kind of information or where where do you start you just start asking questions I guess initially just to see where they currently are sitting absolutely yeah so in the first time meeting with people my uh my essential strategy in the in the first conversation is just getting to know their dynamics getting to know uh their their family their loved one what challenges that they might have and what challenges they might have in the future, um, because the, what we're really trying to gauge is, is there a need for funds for the loved one if they are uh, no longer with a caregiver or no longer with their parents here? And if there is a need, how much how much money is needed, essentially? Mm-hmm. And so th- those are the questions that we're trying to answer in the end of a meeting, but with that comes a lot of what does everyday life look like for your individual? Sure. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about it, but you made the point that even like an inheritance, for instance, can completely derail the social security and Medicaid benefits. I think it, you, you mentioned that if your brother, as an example, inherited more than $2,000, he would be subject to losing some of those benefits. And I had never really thought about that before. It's just, you know, my son is six years old. And of course, right now, I think I have all the time in the world to think about these types of things. But I do know that those these last six years have been a blink of an eye. <laughs> and so... Um, so when you, um, so I guess you essentially make like a timeline uh, of sorts, um, focusing on, okay, what, if something like a tragedy happened, what would they need to tomorrow? What would they need 30 years from now? Um, who would be able to take care of your loved one? Where would the money come from? Where should the money go? Um, and so how do you go about doing that? I, I'm assuming that there's a lot of homework on both sides of the parties to do after that first initial meeting. Yeah, homework. homework's a good word. I love to use the word teamwork because yeah. uh, the in an ideal situation, our loved one would be in a circumstances where they don't need waiver benefits and they don't need a trust with funds. And I know if I know anything about my mother or a lot of the other uh, special needs families, my mother and father, he's also a rock star. I can't leave him out. Um, If I know anything is that they are oftentimes so committed to uh, helping their loved one be self-sustainable and a self-advocate essentially. Um, And so that's something the reason i bring that up is that's something that i mean it's really hard to or impossible even to come up with an exact number of this is how much money would be needed 40 years from now sure Uh, because you know in an ideal world no money would be needed but um it can be a little bit easier to come up with the numbers for the tomorrow questions the tragedy questions which can also be easier to prepare for 
with you know various types of life insurance that can be uh, inexpensive to cover short-term needs. But yes, to answer your question, there's a lot of teamwork between the family and I, as well as a special needs attorney who can help with the question that you brought up, which is where does the money go? Where's mm-hmm. the best place for the money? You know, the various investments, insurance, or assets that a family might have um, when teaming up with an attorney can advise on the different types of special needs trusts that could be useful and the pros and cons along with them, as well as ABLE accounts, um, which a lot of states are providing now the option for uh, individuals to save in uh, in a capacity that does not put their or does not count towards their resources that two thousand dollar limit that we mentioned. I see. Yeah, um, I have I have heard of of those even just as recently um, as last week. Actually, speaking with a parent that was uh, that had one for their son. One of the things that is hard for me, um, just my personal experience is. And I know a lot of other special needs parents too is a whole cash flow issue, because let's face it, um, autism, just specifically speaking, is a very expensive diagnosis to have, as as all a lot of diagnoses are. But you have a lot of issues with you know insurance not paying for some of the therapies that are extremely expensive and so when I'm looking at my financial statements each month in my spreadsheets and whether I'm in the black or in the red you know someone talking to me about planning 40 years from now I I just I have to laugh because I'm like okay where does this disposable income come from, you know and it and I'm a single mom so it's really tough for me of course putting food on the table right now is a necessity that's a priority in clothes on my child's back and so I think it's important and you may correct me if I'm wrong that it's okay to not necessarily have the 40-year conversation right now, but be that as part of the timeline. Absolutely, yeah. So, you know, obviously today matters more than any other day when it comes to needs. Uh, You know, talking about 40 years from now is a big question mark, and making plans for that should definitely come second to providing all the things for your loved one that you need um, and and those sorts of things from a cash flow perspective. Um, I would encourage families, if there is room in the budget, to have a game plan for those tragedy questions like, you know, if something happens tomorrow, do you have the life insurance or assets built up to where your loved one would uh, have something to go on or your, your loved one do they have family members that you've talked to about having a game plan if, if that were to happen, which can be much more friendly from a cash flow perspective like you talked about. But mm-hmm. cer- certainly, um, you know, the, the planning for the future is something that comes when, when the time is right to do that planning, just, just like retirement planning in the same fashion. Uh, there's, there's a time when, or there are times in life where it's easier to save than others. 
and mm-hmm. that certainly applies to this as well. So you can even, even though you you start off with this financial plan, you can revise it. You know, just it's not something that's set in stone. As you know, life changes, and you know, positive, negative changes happen. You can revise that. Absolutely, and I would recommend the the families that are listening to this um, to meet with their financial advisor, you know, at least once a year to touch base and see how things are, make sure that the plans that you've set up in the past still serve you well, Mm -hmm. and see if there are any moves that would be appropriate that would make for a better today or better future. and, and then that's all about making sure that you yourself is asking the financial advisor good questions. And it's also their job to ask you good questions as well. Um, and so we, we're actually going to put a, a list at the bottom of this podcast of questions to ask a financial advisor to make sure that the planning is, is uh, hitting all the points. Um, but that's something I would recommend is to in the next meeting with a financial advisor or conversation that you might have to make sure that they're thinking of your loved one and make sure that, um, you know, that the situation isn't like my family's plan whenever I first looked things over where mm-hmm. there were no, con- there was, there was no game plan. There was definitely investments and other financial products there, but they, they weren't serving, um, they weren't serving the overall plan well. And may it may even have hurt situations had things gone south. Sure. I've met with financial planners before, financial advisors. And one thing that I have not thought about since that point in time, of course, is when you do have a loved one that really does have special needs currently and for the future, finding a financial advisor that has an interest or definitely knowledge in the special needs community and that capacity is really advantageous because a lot of financial advisors, you know, they could be absolutely wonderful. They could be great, but just not have as much knowledge as specifically a financial needs planner has in the special needs community. Asking the right questions, giving the right information is that correct, or do all financial advisors have experience or know what questions to ask? I think that the that question comes, it, it all comes with application. So as financial advisors, it's likely that we have access to similar resources for our clients and our families, but as far as the application of those resources can be so different and and different, it just like every family is different, every special needs family is different, and understanding those differences. I would say the same thing with attorneys as well. Um, an estate planning attorney who knows how to draw up a normal trust very well mm-hmm. may also know how to draw up a special needs trust, but might not know the exact questions to ask and the exact verbiage to use, as well as the upkeep of the trust as time goes by um, is an important thing. And so I would say yes with the having a financial advisor who has experience or passion and working with families with special needs is important. And fortunately, we are 
all over the country, um, a group of us that do that. And then also special needs attorneys Mm -hmm. locating one, locating one who day in and day out has these conversations with families is very important, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. And what I love about you is that you have um, experience, like you have really true experience with it. I'm going, you know, you mentioned the questions. Yes, I'm going to put the questions in the podcast show notes because these are definitely questions that I need to be asking myself before, you know, I sit down with a financial advisor again, um, yourself, just to um, just to start my homework or start my part of the teamwork, as you say. Are there any other things that you'd like to to share you know, with, with everyone here? Um, I think that something that you brought, brought up earlier really kind of is something I want to bring back up is that these conversations are difficult. They're scary. And that's certainly true. You know, here in my office where I am right now, it's a few times a week that we're crying, you know, having conversations like this and that's good to get that out. But, uh, something that I've noticed in, working I've noticed and I admire a ton in working with special needs families like my mom and and of course I've noticed this about you Susan and and all of the other uh, families that I talk to is that they're they're really fierce on their mission which is their loved one mm-hmm. essentially and and I and I want to encourage the listeners to think that you, you know you you are so fierce in the way that you advocate for your loved one listening to this podcast is just itself shows the type of rock star that you are um and Mm -hmm. so starting a conversation like this will take some bravery but uh you can be brave to do it and even a step in the direction of checking with your hr person at work on who your beneficiaries are on your 401k plan and life insurance to make sure that those things are in line with the best interest of your loved one or uh, calling a financial advisor or attorney to schedule a consultation, you know, just those baby steps in the right direction are things that will take bravery, but could cause a wave of difference in your loved one's future. Wow. Those are such sweet things that you say. Um, Yeah. I, we, we call ourselves warriors. (laughs) Um, It doesn't matter if you, I, I believe any parent is a warrior, no matter if their child has special needs or not, um, just the way that you advocate for them. And But I, I tell you, the autism community is full of warriors that I have never in my life experienced or witnessed before. Um, I've seen such bravery and, um, and such passion for, you know, advocating for their loved ones. And I feel so honored to be a part of that group. I really do. And it it has just, it can be so fulfilling. In other ways, it can be extremely terrifying. And I feel like, I'm trying not to get choked up here, I feel like when you find people and I use tribe of course it's my autism tribe people that are 
part um, of your journey that will fight fiercely with you, that makes all the world of difference. And um, because it does take a team, it takes a tribe to make all of these parts move. You know, when you take one little part out of the equation and it can feel like it's falling apart. So I just, I commend you. And I know just from our personal conversations how much love that you have for your brother and how much respect that you have for your parents. It's just, it it shows. And I just, I can't thank you enough for just the encouragement that you've brought me. And I know to the people that are listening to this podcast, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you for, for doing this podcast and being the, uh, you know, giving this fierce group of people a voice like you have. I know that there's certainly good things to come from from this and are, are already coming and work. So I'm really excited about that for you and your journey. I'm also going to put in the show notes for all the listeners out there the additional info for Nick, like Facebook, uh, your website, your email address. I know that sometimes, like you said, it's just taking that baby step in contacting someone and asking a question just to get the conversation started. Don't hesitate to reach out because I promise you Nick is is a very humble and very encouraging gentleman. So I, um, I'll put that information for anyone that wants to reach out. And I just thank you again, Nick, for just being the wonderful person that you are, the wonderful brother and son and um, an advocate for the autism community. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for those kind words. And I know that my autism tribe has a local presence as well as a global presence. Um, So I just want to say that for listeners, I am available uh, nationwide here in the U.S., through webcam and screen share services and also for those who prefer in-person interaction i certainly understand that here at northwestern i'm a part of a study group of around 100 or so um, special need planners that i can team up with and we could certainly be a resource that way as well Um, and yeah and and i just encourage you guys to take steps forward and uh, plan for your loved one's future The process for financial planning for a special needs loved one takes time, but you can start by laying out a timeline for what needs to be done. Plan early and revise as needed. It's not easy or straightforward, and what makes sense for one family may not make sense for another. Get help. It's doable. Thanks so much for being a part of my autism tribe, and I'll see you next week.